0: Hello and welcome to Dragnet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet is brought to you by Chesterfield, made by
2: Liggett & Myers first major tobacco company to bring you a complete line of quality cigarettes.
1: You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to forgery division, shoplifting detail. An organized gang of thieves has started operating in your city. In spite of the precautions taken, the thieves are still working. Your job? Stop them. (laughs) Today's Chesterfield is the best cigarette ever made. It's the cigarette tested and approved by 30 years of scientific tobacco research. The cigarette proved highest in quality, low in nicotine, best for you. Chesterfield gives you the taste you want, the mildness you want, a really refreshing smoke every time. It all adds up to Chesterfield's world-famous slogan, They satisfy. Buy Chesterfield today regular or king size just light up relax and enjoy america's most popular two-way cigarette chesterfield they satisfy millions dragnet the
2: documented drama of an actual crime for the next 30 minutes in cooperation with the los angeles police department You will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action.
3: It was Monday, September 20th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of forgery division, shoplift detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. My name's Friday. We we're on our way out from the office, and it was 9.45 a.m. when we got to the eighth floor of the Whitfield Department store. Security office.
4: Yes, sir, can I help you?
3: We'd like to see Mr. Dunlop. I believe he's expecting you. Your name? Joe Friday.
4: Oh, yes. You want to go right in?
3: Thank you. Thanks, ma'am. This door here?
4: Yes, go right in.
0: Come on in.
3: Hi, Jerry. You know Frank,
0: don't you? Sure, how's it going? Hi, Jerry. You boys want to sit down? Thank you. I'll have the girl sent up. Okay. Yes, sir? You want to have Miss Evans sent up, please?
4: Miss Evans, yes, sir.
0: I'd like to ask you guys a favor. What's that, Jerry? Poor kid thinks this whole thing is her fault. I'd appreciate it if you could take it easy on her.
3: Well, we'll do our best. Sure. What'd they get away with this time? Oh, here's a list. Thank
0: you. Here's a copy for you, Frank. Oh,
3: thanks. You got any idea when they were in?
0: It's hard to tell for sure. We're open Friday night, and then Saturday's a pretty rough day. It wasn't until after closing we found it. I figured they either moved in late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Miss Evans' girl discovered the theft, did you? No, no, she didn't know anything about it. The stock clerk found it. He was running through the inventory to replace the coats and suits. Noticed there were several that couldn't be accounted for. He called me. Mm-hmm. Evans' girl's in the department. I talked to her this morning. It looks like she waited on the pair. Is
1: she able to come up with any kind of description?
0: Yeah, I think she'll be able to help us. Oh, excuse me. Yes?
4: Miss Evans is here.
0: Well, send her in, please? Yes, sir. Come
4: in. You wanted to see me, Mr. Dunlap. Yes. Would you come in, please?
0: Yes, sir. Oh, Miss Evans, this is Sergeant Friday and Officer Smith. They're from the police department. How, How do you do, doing, Miss? Hello.
4: Uh, I don't know why you want to see me, Mr. Dunlap. I told you I didn't know anything about them. I told you. You've got to believe me. I didn't have anything to do with them. I never saw them before.
0: Now, you just sit down, Miss Evans. Thank
4: you.
0: Now, the officers are here to just talk to you. They want to ask you a couple of questions. There's nothing wrong.
4: You I mean I'm not going to lose my job? No. Really? You're not going to fire me?
0: We never even considered it.
4: I don't know how to thank you my first job and to have a thing like this happen. sure appreciate it. Anything you want to know, I'll tell you. You just ask, I'll tell you.
3: All right, Miss Evans. Have you any idea who might have stolen the merchandise?
4: Well, didn't you tell them what I said, Mr. Dunlop?
0: Well, I thought it would be better if they heard it from you.
4: Oh, I see. Well, I think I know who they were. I've tried to remember all the people I waited on, everyone. There's only two that stand out like they were different.
3: How do you mean different, miss?
4: Well, they didn't seem like the other customers. You know, like they really wanted to buy something. Yeah. They just wanted to look around. I could tell they didn't really want to take anything with them. We had a course on that in school. How to tell if a customer really wanted to buy. Mm-mm. That was one of the class problems, to sell a customer who didn't really want to buy anything.
3: Yes, ma'am. about these people, what was it they did that makes you think they might have been the shoplifters?
4: Well, first, the way they talked. I was trying to wait on other people at the same time, and they kept me showing them all kinds of things. It took me almost a half an hour to clean up after they left.
3: There were two people, is that right?
4: Yeah, a man and a woman.
3: Can you give us a description of them?
4: I told Mr. Dunlap all about it. You want me to go over it again?
3: I've got it, Joe. I'm having it tight for you now. All right, fine.
4: You want me to tell it again?
3: Well, we'll check it with you. Yes, ma'am. What kind of things these people want to see, ma'am?
4: Oh, just about everything at the counter. They had me so mixed up, I didn't know what to do. I told you I was trying to wait on another customer. The woman who wanted to buy a suit, I kept trying to take care of her. She finally left. These two were causing so much trouble, every time I left them, I couldn't even take care of the woman. She got mad and left. I don't really blame her. You know, Mr. Dunlop, there really should be more people up there. Only three girls, and when we get busy, there just aren't enough to go around. Lots of customers walk out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what we can do.
4: Lots of times they walk out without buying something, because there isn't anybody to help them. Mm-hmm.
3: That's woman who walked out. Could you describe her for
4: us? You bet. She was real nice. Had a lot of patience. Kept waiting for me to go back and take care of the troublemakers. Never said a word.
3: Well, can you tell us what she looked like?
4: Well, I'd say she was about 35. It's hard to say for sure. She took real good care of herself. You know, hair all nice and good makeup. Not cheap-like. Nice hands and a manicure.
3: Was she carrying any packages when she came in? Do you remember?
4: Mm, Gee, I gotta think about that. I don't think so. Oh, you know, a couple of paper bags like from the notions department. Maybe face cream or cologne. Things like that.
3: No large boxes?
4: No. I don't see why you're so interested in her. The other two were the ones who caused the trouble. They're the ones who must have taken things. Why are you asking about the lady?
3: How was she dressed? Do you remember?
4: Oh, just beautifully. Had on a gray suit with large lapels. Kind of peplum that came out like this. Rhinestone buttons. Beautifully good taste. She wearing a coat? Mm-hmm. Long. Had a stand-up collar, real full skirt, tight bodice.
3: Where was she looking at the suits?
4: Over by the counter. She'd hold them up, you know, in front of the mirror. She knew what she wanted, looked at the material, the way they were made. She'd have bought if I could have spent a little time with her. She liked the merchandise, liked everything I showed her.
3: Mm-hmm. How many things did you take off the racks for?
4: I guess she looked at a dozen styles, you know, a dozen real high-style suits. That seemed to be all she was interested in. You don't think she had anything to do with it, stealing, though, do you? Well,
3: it looks like she was the one who did the actual taking of the merchandise the other two were there to keep you busy
4: i can't believe that she was so nice never seemed to get upset even when i couldn't spend more time with her real nice didn't get upset at all when she couldn't find what she wanted
3: i'm afraid you're wrong there hmm? she found it we continued to interrogate the witness we got complete descriptions of the trio their physical appearance and their method of operation matched those of the gang frank and i have been looking for for the past six weeks Alice Evans was shown mug shots of known shoplifters, but she was not able to give us an identification. We made arrangements for her to come down to the office and check additional mug files. The average citizen looks at shoplifting as a petty nuisance, which businessmen are expected to endure. This is not entirely true. Shoplifting is big business. Last year, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of merchandise was stolen from stores in the Los Angeles area alone. Most of the goods stolen by organized gangs is sold to fences for final disposal. During the course of our investigation, we'd been working with stores' Protective Association, incorporating all of the security officers in the larger businesses. M.O. bulletins had been gotten out on the gang's activities. From what we'd been able to find out, there were three people working as a unit, two women and a man. The three suspects would enter a store and split up. One of the women would pretend to be looking at merchandise, while the other two suspects would engage the clerk in conversation, in that way keeping her away from the first member of the trio. The articles stolen were almost always either coats or suits and we noticed that one line of merchandise seemed to attract the criminals more than others. Monday, 3.46 p.m., Frank and I went down to a second-hand clothing store on 5th Street to talk to the owner. Be right with you. Toby? Yeah. Hi, fellas. What's going on? Oh, well, we got some things we want to talk to you about, Toby. Sure, just having a cup of coffee in the back. Come on, I'll pull you a cup. Fine, uh, thank you. In here? Yeah, sit down. Get you some java. Thanks anything special no we're just fishing toby thought you might be able to come up with a little something for us maybe and here you go either of you want sugar no no
0: thanks don't use it
3: just doing part of your work here
0: all right
3: yeah buy sheets want to get in the mail tonight well we don't want to keep you toby no trouble sergeant max getting a little tired anyway just soon stop and have a cigarette
0: How's business? Pretty good?
3: I'm keeping up. Now, what can I do for you? You got anything on a boosting gang working around? Nothing more than usual. Why? Well, we got a bunch that's giving us a little trouble. We're trying to come up with something that'll hang together on them. Two men and a woman? Yeah. You got anything on them? Oh, nothing worth repeating. Rumbled around about the three of them. That's about it. If I had any more, I'd have called you sooner. Where's the information coming from? you know how it is, Sergeant. You hear something here, something else there. You put them together, you come up with a story, but no way to trace it. Yeah, I know. You got any idea where the stuff is being sold? Same answer. Rumble's got it that all the loot's being shipped out of town. Some of it back east, some goes up north. I got a piece the other day that some of it's going to Mexico. Mexico, huh? Yeah. Most of it's ending up in the east, though. You know any reason they'd be hitting one brand more than the others? Well, got a word. That's about all. What's that? The gang's laying it out around town that they'll pay up to 25 bucks for a suit. You know, the going price is around five, maybe six and a half. Mm-hmm. Figures that if you can do better with one line, that's what you're going to boost. Huh. Why has the price gone up? Yeah, the only way I can figure it is that they're worth more on the market. Anybody approached you? Nah, if they had, you'd have been called right away. You know that. Yeah.
1: You got any idea we might be able to pick up anything on the trio? Not right out, but I'll tell you one thing. What's that?
3: Oh, yeah, I got it. There's four of them. Yeah? Two men, two women. A man's a gun. He sets up the deals, makes a shipment. How are they getting the stuff out, Toby? Do you know? Pick up a kid and offer him a trip. Ask him to deliver a suitcase. Works out good for him. Carrier doesn't know who he's working for can't lead the cops back to the operation. Mm-hmm About the only way I can figure it. You say none of the stolen stuff showing up down here? Mm -hmm, Nothing so far. Well, thanks a lot, Toby. If you hear anything, we'd sure appreciate a call. Sure thing. Real good coffee, Toby. Instant. I make it in the percolator. Well, you mean that powdered stuff? You don't have to make that in the coffee pot. Habit, I guess. (laughs) Well, thanks again. We won't keep you, Toby. Oh, hang on a minute. All right. Yes, sir? What can I do for you? Buy used clothes. Yes, sir. What have you got to sell? That's in the car. I just want to be sure you're buying stuff. Well, bring it in. We'll take a look at it. Okay, Toby, we'll see you later, huh? Right, Sergeant. Give me a call. Right. I'll be right back. Excuse me. Well, what do you think of that, Sergeant? Sure in a hurry, isn't he? Yeah, let's see why. Come on. See him? Yeah, right up there. Hey, hold it up there. Huh? What do you want? What's the matter? Didn't you hear me? I asked you to wait back there. Well, oh, sure, I heard you. I didn't know you were talking to me. What do you want? Police officer. I want to step over to the car. I want to ask you a couple questions. Well, I haven't done anything. I didn't say you did. Well, why do you want to talk to me? What do you want me to come Come on, co- let's go. All right. Making a mistake. I haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. Got the wrong man. you got no reason to talk to me. All right. Get in. All right, sit still. What are you doing? You won't find anything. I don't know what you guys are after. I haven't done anything. Take your wallet out. Why? Take it out. Here. Take the money out of it. You always carry that much money, do you? No, not always. I know. You keep the money in your hand. Give me the wallet.
1: Here you are.
3: Is this your true name? Hmm? Kenneth Elgin Norris. Is your right name? Yeah. You live here now, do you? No, not now. Where do you live? I got a room over on 7th. You want me to run a make on it? Yeah, will you? Here. Here's his ID. 1K80 to Control-1, 1K80 to Control-1. 1.
4: Control-1 one to 1K80, go ahead.
3: Check for want. Kenneth Elgin Norris, that's N-O-R-R-I-S. Male, white American, 26 years, 5 feet 10 and 3 quarters. 168 pounds, black hair, brown eyes. KMA 367.
4: 1K80, roger, and stand by.
3: What's all that about? Checking to see if you're wanted in place. Oh, you ever been in trouble? Me with the cops? That's right. No, never. Why'd you leave the clothing store in such a hurry? I remembered I had to meet a guy. I remembered I was late. Who's the guy? A friend of mine. You wouldn't know. Him. Well, try us. It's a guy named Arthur. I don't know his last name. Where were you gonna meet him? Bar down the street. What about the clothes you wanted to sell? What about them? Where are they? I don't know. Well, you went in to sell something that you didn't have, is that it? Well, I was gonna pick him up from Arthur. And you don't know his last name? No. How come you were gonna sell the clothes? Huh? Why were you gonna sell the clothes? Well, that's a silly question. Why does anybody sell anything? Because I needed the money. You look like you're sitting pretty good. Well, I gotta leave town. I'm selling all my stuff. I thought said the clothes belonged to this Arthur guy. Well, they do, but I'm gonna sell them for him. He said he'd give me a piece of the property. Why doesn't he sell them himself? Well, I don't know. You better ask him. We'll try to. Now, get the rest of the stuff out of your pocket. Come on, everything. Uh, you guys are making a big mistake. You know that, don't you? A real big mistake. Well, if we're wrong, we'll tell you. Yeah. Here it is. Comb, change, cigarettes, and a lighter. That's all there is. You sure? Well, why would I lie? Turn your pockets inside out. What? Turn them inside out. All right. All of them. The other one, too. Told you, I gave everything I had. There isn't anything else. Oh. What's that? Huh? Move your foot. What's this? Looks like a key. What's it for? Well, I don't know. It isn't mine. Maybe it belongs to Arthur. Could be. It isn't mine. Looks like a check locker key, doesn't it? it? Might be. I never saw it before. Came out of your pocket, didn't it? No, it didn't. Must have been on the floor all the time. It isn't mine.
4: 1K80, your suspect has a felony record including burglary and is now wanted for parole violation
3: one k 8 roger. KMA-367. Thought you said you'd never been in trouble. I made a mistake. Looks like you made more than one, doesn't it? What? Maybe you were wrong about the locker key. I told you. I never saw it before. Oh, sure. You want to sit with him, Frank? Yeah. I'll get to a phone. Right. It's See. just a key. What does that prove? I don't know. Let's find out what it opens. We got the location of the locker, and with the suspect, Frank and I drove over and removed a large black suitcase. The locks on the case had been broken, and inside we found 11 women's suits of the same type that had been stolen from the Los Angeles stores. All identifying labels had been removed, but we were able to find the tag issued by the National Recovery Board inside the seams of the suits. We got in touch with their Los Angeles office, and they told us that the serial number had been issued to a San Francisco company. On the way back to the city hall, we stopped and searched the suspect's room thoroughly, but we found nothing. When we got to the squad room, Frank went to the business office to arrange a phone call to San Francisco, and I took the suspect to the interrogation room. 6:20 p.m. You guys got to believe me. That stuff's not mine. I don't know where it came from. Where'd you get the key? Well, it's not mine. I never saw it before. That's kind of hard to buy. Well, I don't care if you want it or not. That's the way it is. Tell us a little more about this, Arthur, will you? I told you everything I know. Where'd you meet him? In a bar down on Maine. I told you that before. Now what's the matter? Don't you believe me? You're making it tough to believe. I'm telling you the truth. Where the suits come from? I don't know. All right, here. Take another look at him. Might help you remember, huh? They were in the suitcase when Arthur gave them to me. That's all I know. Where'd he get them? I don't know. Did he steal them? Well, I don't know. why did he give them to you? He just said he wanted me to take care you of them. He told us before he wanted you to sell them, didn't you? Well, he did. Where were you going to make the payoff after they were sold? He said he'd get in touch with Where? Me. Around. He said he'd find me. He gave you over $500 worth of suits and he said he'd get in touch with you, huh? That's right. When? Sometime. He didn't name a date? No, he just said he'd look me up. How many times have you been arrested? You got the record. Why asking me? He wants you to tell us. I don't know. I forget. We'll take a guess. Oh, a few times. Five. You got the record. When's the last time you checked with your parole officer? I forget. You know your packages tab? tabbed? No, I didn't know until I heard on the radio. You had no idea, huh? No. You went up for burglary, is that right? Yeah, they sent me up to the joint. You know you're going back, don't you? Yeah, I guess. It's not going to look good to have another charge marked on you. What do you mean? Burglary. Why'd you dig that one up? These suits. If you can't explain them, it isn't going to look too good, is it? Look, I told you, Arthur gave them to me. And he said he'd get in touch with you. Yeah, that's right. Sure Come up with the answers yet? Yeah? Says he doesn't know them. Yeah? Maybe we can help. Hmm? Just got through talking with a George Ryder up north. Yeah? He checked the records. Code numbers from the shipment to the Whitfield department store. Looks like the bunch we're after. Now, who's Arthur? You mean the suits were stolen? You called it. Who's Arthur? Look, I don't want to go back to the joint on a beef like this. We don't decide that. But if I help you guys, you'll take care of me. You'll talk to my parole we officer. Can't make any deals with you. Yeah, but I don't want to fall this way. That's up to you, mister. You're sitting in the middle. Now, which way do you want to go? Nobody can help you but yourself. Miss Arthur must be a fine friend, leaving you with a bunch of stolen merchandise. Might be the way he figured it. What's the matter? Doesn't Arthur like you? Okay, I'll go the route now. I'll tell you where to find him.
2: You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action.
1: You hear it everywhere. Chesterfield's for me. Here's how lovely New York model and television star Roxanne puts it. I started smoking Chesterfields about the time I got into show business. Yes, it's Chesterfields for me. I like the regular size. Now let's hear from the man who owns and runs the Stork Club, Sherman Billingsley. You
3: know, it's my privilege to be host over 4,000 very nice people every day. And most all of them smoke Chesterfield. As a matter of fact, our records show that Chesterfield is our largest seller, 3 to 1. And it's Chesterfield for me.
1: I like them king size. Either way you like them. Chesterfield regular, Chesterfield king size. For the taste you want, the mildness you want, a really refreshing smoke every time. Always say, Chesterfield's for me.
3: We called a stenographer, and Kenneth Norris gave us a complete statement. He said that he'd been approached by a man that he knew only as Arthur and asked to carry a suitcase to St. Louis. Once there, a man would have him paged at the airport and take the valise from him. In return for this service, the suspect was to be paid $100 and his expenses. Norris explained that he decided he could do better by selling the contents of the suitcase himself. This information was forwarded to the St. Louis Police Department. We got a complete description of the man he knew as Arthur and had the suspect check through the mug books, but he was unable to make an identification. We got in touch with his parole officer and told him that we had Norris in custody. We asked that we be allowed to detain him for a few days. The following morning, we met with Chief of Detectives Thad Brown and Captain Welsh. It was decided that Norris would take us to the bar where he'd met the thief and he'd point him out. Norris would then be brought back to the main jail and booked, and I would try to establish myself with this Arthur. In that way, we'd have a better chance of building a case that we could take to court and apprehending the entire shoplifting gang. On Wednesday morning, September 22nd, Norris, Frank, and I drove over to Main Street. We checked the bar, but the suspect wasn't there. We waited in our car, which was parked down the street. Arthur failed to arrive. He didn't show up at the bar on Thursday or Friday. Saturday, 12.40 PM. Norris pointed down the street. There, that's him just going in the place. Fell in the gray suit there? Yeah, that's him. You sure? I got no reason to lie, have I? All right, Frank. Yeah. You want to take Norris back to the office, I'll go on in. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Sergeant? Yeah? I'll give you something for free. Yeah, what's that? Take it easy with Arthur, don't press. How do you mean that? He's a pretty rough guy. That's so? Yeah, I hear he carries a gun. Be a lot of trouble if he's got it with him. Not unless he tries to use it. I left Frank at the curb and walked into the bar. I saw the man that we knew as Arthur sitting at the rear of the place. I took a seat near the front door and ordered a cup of coffee. In a few minutes, I walked back toward Arthur. Something you want? Yeah, I wondered if I could have one of your cigarettes there. There's a machine up front. Well, if I had the price, I'd have bought a pack coming in.
0: All right. Here.
3: Got a match? How you fix for breath? Look, I just asked you for a cigarette. If you don't want to give me one, say so, and I'll shove off. Never mind. Here's your match. Thank you. Hey, you. Yeah. You're broke, huh? All the way. Just getting in town? This morning. Where from? Up north. Narrow it down. Look, mister, here's your cigarette bag. Give me one of these doesn't tell you that my life story. You hungry? I haven't eaten for two days. Here. Thanks. Appreciate this. How long are you going to be in town? Well, it depends on how things work out. You got a job? Well, I'm going to look. What do you do? Whatever pays. Tell you what? Yeah, I got some friends around town. Might be able to use you. Check with me in a couple of days. Might be able to do something for you. How do I get in touch with you? Meet me here. I tag the place a couple times a week. Just ask if Arthur's around. That's your name? That's what I'm using this season. You look me up, kid. We'll work something out. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I sat and talked to Arthur for another half hour. During that time, he wouldn't tell me his last name, and I had no way of finding out anything more about him. At 12.10, I saw Frank drive by the front door. That was the signal that the crew of detectives were standing by to follow the suspect. I left the bar and walked down Main Street up to 7th. Frank was waiting for me. We drove back to the city hall and discussed what had happened with Chief Brown and Captain Welsh. During the next three days, Arthur was kept under constant surveillance. He didn't drive an automobile, he contacted no one. We were able to learn a considerable amount about the man. Although he didn't try to make contact with any other members of the gang, it was obvious that he was the prime fence and that he was directing the operation. Wednesday afternoon, I walked into the bar on Main Street. Arthur wasn't there, but the bartender said that he was expecting him. I waited. At 6:47 p.m., the suspect entered the place. He took a seat at the rear of the bar and motioned me back. Hi, I've been looking for you. You're right. Yeah. Wonder if you've been able to come up with that job you were talking about. I could sure use a touch. You like to travel? What? I think it might have something for you. You've got to go out of town, though. For dough? I wouldn't ask you any other way. Well, what do I have to do? friend of mine has a suitcase he wants delivered to a party in Chicago. Well, why didn't he send it by mail? doesn't want it to go that way. He wants it delivered personally. Well, what's it pay? All your expenses and a hundred bucks. Uh-huh. What's in the suitcase? That isn't any of your business. Well, what happens if I get picked up? I don't know. I'm not carrying anything hot. you got to take my word for it, Gene. All right. Who do I deliver the suitcase to? I'll meet you in the morning. I'll give you the bag then. Catch a ten o'clock plane. When you land at Chicago, go to the coffee shop. You'll be paged. Meet the man and give him the suitcase. Well, how do I know if it's the right guy? We'll give you the name. He's the only one who knows what the name is and when you're coming in. All right. Where do I meet you? Be out in front of this place at 8 in the morning. I'll pick you up. Just one more thing. Yeah. How about the money? You won't need any going back. When you turn over the suitcase to my friend, he'll give you the 100. You already have your ticket. All right. Sounds okay. Not as permanent as I'd like. you carry this off, we'll be able to do more business. Well, I'll meet you here then at uh, 8 in the morning. Is that right? Right be on time. I don't want you to miss that plane. A lot depends on this deal. I don't want anything to go wrong. Now don't worry. What? Neither do I. I left the bar and met Frank. We stood to the front of the place, and at 9.56 p.m., the suspect came out. He called a cab, and we followed him. He went out to the apartment where we knew he lived. Frank and I waited out front. At 11.20, a car pulled up in front of the place, and three people got out. They matched the description of the thieves in our shoplifting operation. They were carrying a large suitcase. We waited for ten minutes and then Frank and I went up to Arthur's apartment. Number 408, huh? Uh, down this way. Uh huh. I get the door. Wait a minute. All
4: right.
3: Yeah. Who is it? Wait a minute. What are you doing here? What's this all about, Art? Police officers, you're under arrest. Stand still. Oh, cop, a lousy cop. Should have known. I thought I could trust you. I thought you were honest.
0: Yeah, you sure pick him a cop for a messenger boy. You're real smart. I thought I could depend on him. I thought he was honest. You don't know what the word means. How about it, mister?
3: Huh? Do you?
1: The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent.
2: On January 18th, trial was held in Department 97, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial.
3: Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. You know, the Chesterfield you smoke today is the best cigarette ever made, and best for you. Now, that's a fact. And to my way of thinking, it's the very reason for you to change to Chesterfield. Try them either way, regular or king size. If you try them, I think you'll say with all of us, Chesterfield's for me.
2: Arthur Nelson Thompson Samuel Donald Hickok Georgia Baxter Nielsen and Dorothy Marie Simpson were tried and convicted of burglary in the second degree, 14 counts they received sentence as prescribed by law burglary in the second degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period not less than one
1: nor more than 15 years ladies and gentlemen We'd like to thank the editors of Cosmopolitan Magazine for this month's pictorial feature on Jack Webb and Dragnet. Cosmopolitan, the May issue, on your newsstands tomorrow.
2: You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Jack Crucian, Alice Bacchus, Ralph Moody, Herb Ellis. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter
1: Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely different Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspapers for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Filter cigarette smokers, here is headline news. Nationwide demand for L&M filters drops price. Now you save up to four cents a pack, 40 cents a carton, Now everyone can afford America's highest quality and best filter tip cigarette. Remember, only L and M's have the miracle filter tip containing alpha cellulose. You get much more flavor, much less nicotine. Buy L and M filters, the distinctive monogram cigarette at the new low price. L and M filters. (laughs) Crime and Peter Chambers following John Cameron Swayze on the NBC radio network.